0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. My name is Robert Cunningham, and this podcast is the venue for me to uh, critically engage every square inch of God's world through the lens of a Christian perspective. And in this episode, I want to further develop an issue I raised uh, recently on Twitter that got a lot of attention, both on Twitter, but, but even more so from friends reaching out to me offline. Um, it struck a nerve and the topic is really important, so I felt it warranted more than I can offer in a Twitter thread. I get a lot of questions from folks, especially during the holiday season, about the meaning of honor your father and mother. And typically, that question emerges out of deep pain. At best, you were raised by unhealthy parents, at worst, perhaps even raised by abusive parents. So they hear the command to honor their father and mother. They sense this intrinsic and inescapable blood loyalty, and they just don't know what to do. Am I supposed to just ignore my parents' unhealth, perhaps even abusive patterns? If I did that, it would be harmful to me and enabling to them. But am I supposed to just cut them off? I would feel so guilty for betraying my family loyalty. What does it mean to honor father and mother when father and mother are harmful? huge question that impacts a lot of people, and with Christmas family gatherings upon us, I thought this would be as good a time as ever to take it up. Before I get to my answer, let let me take a step back and discuss the Bible's view of parents. Uh, The most significant people in your life are your parents, and it's not even close. This is Covenantal Theology 101. God ordained the family as the most formative institution on earth, and it will be that way from here to eternity. There simply is no power like the power of a family. Now, in God's original design, that was a beautiful thing. God intended to build a perfect world via the mechanism of mother and father being fruitful and multiplying. And when that is done according to God's design, it works. Sinless parents, perfectly stewarding the covenantal power entrusted to them— perfectly nurturing, loving, blessing, guiding their vulnerable children, God's design was not to fill the earth with sinless individuals, but with sinless families. And yet, as you know, that dream died with the first generation. Even the first parents couldn't get it right. However, and this is the key, the formative power of the parents did not die. The covenantal family retains its power, but that power can now be used as a destructive force. The power God has given parents is like a fire. When it's used well, it brings warmth and life. When used wrongly, it is a consuming destruction. So when the Bible talks about the sins of the father visiting their children and their children's children and so forth, That's not saying that if, for example, your grandfather sins, God is going to punish you for that. It's saying that if your grandfather is maybe abusive, well, that abuse formed your father, who perhaps likewise acts out now in abusive ways upon you. Hurt people hurt people. That's especially true in families. Addiction begets addiction. Neglect begets neglect. Spoiledness begets spoiledness. You don't just look like your parents. You are your parents in so many ways. Now, I can feel the angst rising as you hear those words. And I'm going to close with hope that you don't have to be like your parents. But let me preview that here so that this doesn't get derailed with your despair. In Jesus, a new story absolutely is possible. One of the prophecies of Christ's coming was that no longer will the father's sins visit the children. Jesus has the power to break generational curses. So, you, within the family of God's people, can be the generation that says, No more. Jesus is writing a new story starting with me, and I'm going to baptize my children into that story, and my heritage will never know what I knew. Which brings me to the command to honor your father and mother. If you do not wish to perpetuate your parents' unhealth, if you want the generational sins to finally come to an end, if you want to write a new story that will carry on for generations to come, then you're going to have to obey God's command to honor your father and mother. Let me explain. Jesus was the original architect of the family design. It was Jesus who set in stone the command to honor father and mother. And yet that same Jesus in his incarnation was incredibly disruptive of families. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. He says elsewhere, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own family, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, he cannot be my disciple. Don't get hung up on that usage of hate there. Jesus is using hyperbole to show how much more loyal we must be to him versus our loyalty to family. So, I'm going to bring a sword that divides family. I'm going to call you to hate your family in proportion to your love for me, and yet he demands we honor our father and mother. How are we to reconcile these? Well, it goes back to the covenantal nature of the family. We live in an individualistic society where individualism is prized above all else. The way this impacts our understanding of the family is that we view the family as a collection of individuals. In the biblical context, and it should be said still in traditional cultures outside the West, the family is viewed as a covenantal unit. We are not loosely connected individuals living in the same house. We are small parts of a greater whole. What I like to say that seems to help people understand the difference is that Americans focus on the first name. The Bible focuses on the last name. And so when we hear the call to honor father and mother, we think those two individuals— Robert and Abby, but the Bible has in mind honoring what those two individuals represent and steward, Cunningham, the Cunningham name, the family. Simply put, the command to honor father and mother is a command to honor the family name. Now, what if your parents as individuals are bringing dishonor upon the family name? In this case, the call to honor them is never to ignore and certainly not enable their dishonor. Rather, it is to do for them what they have failed to do for themselves and redeem the honor of their name. In a healthy situation, the call to honor father and mother is to carry on their noble legacy and even improve upon it. No family's perfect. It can always be approved upon. But in an unhealthy situation, the call is to end the unhealth. You are to be the ones who break generational curses, addictions, abuses, we break generational sins and rescue the family name from its dishonor. When you become what they fail to be, you honor them by rewriting their legacy. And yes, at times, depending upon the severity of unhealth, that may require actions from you that appear to them to be dishonoring, but are in fact honorable. Perhaps an uncomfortable conversation or confrontation perhaps boundaries from their own health, and yes, in extreme cases, all-out separation from parents who are hell-bent on perpetuating family dishonor. They may not understand it. They may hate you for it, but so be it. The honor of their name is worth it. Now, how do you discern what that looks like for you in your particular story? Do I need to confront them? Do I need to establish boundaries? Do I need to cut them off? Those questions cannot be answered on a podcast, and if I tried to do that, it would be incredibly dangerous. It would also be dangerous, by the way, for you to try to figure that out on your own. You need community. You need pastors. You need mentors. You need a therapist. You need trusted counsel from those who know you well to help you think through those questions. I'll caveat that a little bit further. If you grew up with abusive parents, that counsel needs to come from trained professionals your friends, your church. Folks like these can help you walk through unhealthy and quirky parents, but if your parents are abusive, were abusive, you need to seek the wisdom of trauma-informed experts. But the point I'm making is that the call to honor father and mother is not to placate father and mother. It's certainly not to allow yourself to be harmed by father and mother. It is to redeem the legacy of father and mother at whatever cost even if that cost is your relationship with father and mother and i'll let you work out those applications with those you love and trust now with that being said though i think it would be harmful for me to try to get into specific applications for you on a podcast maybe it would be helpful for me to offer some general principles to both parents and their children first to parents And let me further define parents, the parents that I'm speaking to. I'm talking to the parents in the middle. Here's what I mean. So on one extreme, there are abusive, narcissistic, derelict parents out there who have no relationship with their kids. Couldn't care less about them, just evil people. I'm not talking to these parents, and I'm sure they're not listening. Nor am I talking to parents on the other end with great relationship with their adult children. I mean, things aren't perfect, you have your disagreements, they have to put up with your quirks, you have to put up with theirs. But by God's grace, things are great, and you can't wait to gather together for the holidays. Instead, who I have in mind here are the parents in between. Those parents who made mistakes, big mistakes, that you now regret. And if you could go back and do it all over again, you would, but you can't. So perhaps you were an addict, but now you're sober. Perhaps you were a workaholic and neglected your children, and now you see how foolish that was. Perhaps you had an affair. Perhaps you got divorced. Perhaps you crushed them with religious fundamentalism. Whatever the failure may be, you see it and you regret it, and those past failures still haunt your relationship with your children. Your relationship with them is complicated at best, perhaps even limited or estranged at worst, and it's killing you. You want so badly to restore things. If that's you, let me tell you what your children need from you if you want to see that happen. Three things. Confession, repentance, and forbearance. It starts with a confession. They need to hear you name it. Specifically name it no hem-hawing around, assuming they know that you're sorry, no partial confessions or general generic confessions, you know, sorry for my past mistakes, sorry if I hurt you. No, no, no. They need to hear you say, I am sorry for fill in the blank. You need to apologize. And then you need to invite them to help you see where else you need to apologize. So here's what I know I need to own, but I'm sure there are things I don't even see and I'm all ears. No defensiveness, no justification, no blame shifting. Tell me how I harmed you so that I can have the chance to apologize even further. But that's just the start. Next is repentance. Your apology is empty, patronizing, and even painful if it is not accompanied by repentance. So, a child is raised by an alcoholic. And the parent says to their now grown child, I am so sorry you had to live with that. I know how much my drinking hurt you. But then they get together for Christmas and the parent's still drinking. I mean, no big deal, right? I've apologized. My kids are grown up and out of the house. I've I've got it under control. It doesn't affect them anymore. Oh, yes, it does. Every single drink tears open the wound. You want your kids back? Save your apology and get sober. You get my point. Your kids need more than your confession. They need your repentance. And then they need a third thing from you your forbearance. This is the step, in my experience, walking with family families through things, that can be most frustrating for parents. I've apologized. I've repented. What more can I do? You can wait. I know you don't like to hear that, but I'm sorry. Healing takes time, and it always follows the timetable of the offended party. Let me say that again because it's really important. The journey of reconciliation follows the timetable of the ones who have been harmed. And so you confess, you repent, and then you extend to them prodigious forbearance. I'm here. I love you. I want a restored relationship, but I know that takes time, so take all the time you need. So general principles to parents living with regret who want to restore things. Confession, repentance, and forbearance. Now to children harmed by parents. I've got two things here. Forgive them and honor them. First, you do have to forgive them. Now listen, I could do a whole podcast on forgiveness and maybe I will someday, but here let me give two important qualifiers. First, Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. Reconciliation is on them, forgiveness is on you. Does that make sense? Whether whether you are reconciled and together in a healthy life-giving restored relationship is on them. Their willingness to get healthy, their willingness to walk those 3 steps I just outlined. The burden of reconciliation lands on them. The burden of forgiveness belongs to you. And it's a burden, no doubt. And yet, Jesus promises it will be a freedom in the end. You don't owe them forgiveness, but refusal to extend it will haunt you the rest of your days. Freedom from your parents' sin is found in forgiving your parents' sins. And when I say forgive, I mean forgive, which leads me to my second qualifier. Forgiveness is not superficial. So many people glibly say, yeah, yeah, I, I forgive my parents. As though forgiveness is just something you say. I think of Michael Scott yelling, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> and Oscar goes, you can't just say it. And <laughs> Michael says, I didn't say it, I declared it. <laughs> bankruptcy doesn't work that way. Forgiveness doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is a painful journey. As demonstrated in what it took Jesus to forgive you. Forgiveness is a painful journey. You're going to have to admit what they did. You're going to have to tell the truth about your story rather than hiding from it or rewriting it. You're going to have to get mad and sad. Before you can truly forgive, you are going to have to lament what it is you are forgiving. And in my experience, this is much harder for people to do. It's easier to confess our sins than to confess how we have been sinned against. But true forgiveness is on the other side of true lamentation. But yes, that journey, as hard as it is, it is worth it because true forgiveness, not superficial forgiveness, true forgiveness will set you free. So you need to forgive and then you need to honor them. So we're back to honoring your father and mother. In general, hurt people do in fact hurt people. To honor your parents is to say, not so with me. I am not going to dishonor their name by perpetuating their unhealth. And it is possible to do that. You do not have to repeat generational sins. Jesus is stronger. He can break century-old chains of generational unhealth. And this is why he tells us to renounce our family loyalty and the name of loyalty to him. Not because he has anything against your family. He invented the family. He gets it. He loves family. He is saying, follow me because in me, you can redeem your family. You can start a new story, a new chapter of honor, nobility, holiness, a family story marked by blessing where there once was cursedness. And in so doing, you give your parents the greatest gift you can give them, a new legacy. And when it comes to your relationship with them, If they truly regret what they have done, if they are the type of parents that go through the three steps I outlined for them, they won't be threatened by your efforts to rewrite the story. They will celebrate it. Every good parent wants this. They want their children to not repeat their mistakes, to do things better. And if that's what you have, then yes, reconciled, redeemed, healthy, enjoyable relationship is definitely possible. It is possible to look forward to holidays together. But I recognize that for some, that may not be possible. Tragically, you may not have that and never will have that. I am so sorry. But I say to you, Psalm 27:10, though father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me in. I am so sorry your earthly father is not like your heavenly father. But be assured that your heavenly father is not like your earthly father. He will take you in. He will welcome you into the family of God, which he promises will be for you what you did not have. But the greater point, whether happy holidays together is possible or not, that's just not the highest aim. The highest aim is your obedience to God's command to honor your father and mother. Thanks for listening. I hope, that, I hope that's helpful on this sensitive, at times, painful topic. Merry Christmas to everyone listening, and we will be back after the holidays for another episode of Every Square Inch.